Hi, I'm Amber Saunders with The Saunders Firm, and I make trust fund babies. You are now listening to Truck and Hustle. What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. There's tons of uh, celebrities, people with money that don't have this protection. Who, who's dropping the ball? Is it is it them? Because I'm sure these people have like an attorney. I'm sure they have accounts. Like they have these these circles around them. Usually, at least you'd hope so. They have the money too, right? Like who who's dropping the ball in that case? And, and why do you think that that happens? We just don't want to think about it. We think that if we think about death, it's going to make us die. Or it just is uncomfortable to think about. Or they just say, screw it. I ain't going to be here anyway. <laughs> yeah, <don't> right. <laughs> That's crazy. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, we are back with another amazing episode. And today I am in the beautiful Atlanta, Georgia at Saunders Law Firm with Amber Saunders. How are you, miss? Good, how are you? I am amazing, man. Beautiful day, beautiful day. So listen, um, on this show, we like to talk about making money. We like to talk about creating gener- generational wealth and all that good stuff, right? But today, we're going to talk about keeping it. Keeping it. We're going to talk about how you can keep that money. And not only how you can keep that money, how you can pass that money down. Right. Right? So I think it's very important, especially in our community, to talk about things such as estate planning, mm-hmm. um, making sure that you know, you're know you able to hold on to your money and pass that generational wealth that has become such a trendy term mm-hmm. these days. Everybody talking about generational wealth, it. but does anybody really know how to create it? Amber, what's going uh-huh. on? Generational means more than you. That's right. right. So people will make all of this money and then they don't make it easy for their children to get it or they don't give them any instructions. So if you know how to grind and you know how to do all of this stuff and create a business and then your children don't know what to do with it, nothing that you made was generational. It stops at your generation because That's right. your kids going to buy a Lamborghini and squander <laughs> that money. That's right. Because they don't know how to keep making it. They That's don't know right. what to do. So we don't think past. We plan for our life, but we don't plan for our death. We don't plan for the next thing. Yeah. And I think we have to have vision beyond just whatever money we know how to make. 100%. Let's talk about your story real quick. First of all, you are an attorney. How, how did you get on this path to become an estate? And you do several things, not mm-hmm. only estate planning, just kind of introduce yourself mm-hmm. and kind of what you do just to put some context around this conversation. Okay. So I was always going to be a lawyer. According to my mother, I told her in kindergarten, I think it's because her favorite show was Perry Mason and <laughs> Law and Order. And so I always thought I was going to do that. I was going to be, you know, free to people like, right. And, but I'm a softie and I cry. And so the client went to jail and I burst into tears in the courtroom and everybody was looking at me like, what's wrong with her? And I said, this is not for me. I don't want to get used to seeing us in that way okay. or anybody going to jail. I just didn't want to do it. Okay. Um, and so, 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 so slow down real quick. So you realize that that 
you know, vision of becoming a lawyer. So what type of law were you practicing at that time? Criminal. Defense. Criminal law. So so where'd you go to school for, for law? Uh, I went to John Marshall Law School here in Atlanta. Okay. Um, and then I went to undergrad in Huntsville, Alabama at Oakwood College. Um, and so I was all set. I mean, I out the gate started my own firm because I'm not a good employee. I wasn't going to do well working for anybody. Really? Um, was it difficult to start your own firm? Because I wonder why more people don't. Because you have to... Eat, you only eat when you kill it. And got you. People, I mean, you come out of law school with hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans. Right. Um, How long were you in school? Like eight years? Four years for law school, four years for undergrad. So eight years total. Mm -hmm. And you came out and you had probably tons of student loan debt. Not to, undergrad was okay because my mother took care of that. Okay. Uh, But law school, yeah, that was me. But uh, listen, I will, I'm a fan of forbearance and deferment. (laughs) I sure took advantage of that when I That's started right. out, That's so right. I didn't have to worry about that first thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not mad at you. I'm no, not mad yeah. at you. So we moved it. Okay, so you, so you, so you started your own law firm, and mm-hmm. what what year was this? 2013. 2013, mm-hmm. and you started as a criminal lawyer. Mm-hmm. What made I you get? I started as an everything lawyer, door okay. lawyer. Okay, whoever came in the door. Okay, that's what I was doing. All right, guys, Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now let's get back to the show. But the bulk of it, criminal defense, was easy to get. So I was doing that. I just didn't enjoy it. Um, I didn't enjoy seeing people concerned or in fear for losing their liberty or trying to do that kind of work. And I think that people get used to, you get desensitized to seeing people in that state or in those those emergency situations. And I just didn't like how I was feeling, being stressed out. If I did something wrong, I was responsible for someone's life. Got it. I didn't want to do that. So would you have like an office somewhere in Atlanta and you just had like, like, like just some marketing and people just coming to see you? Like, how was that working well, at first? I'm from here. I'm from Atlanta. So, you so knew I knew people. You had a so network. If I told everybody, I was once I said that I was licensed, everybody yeah. was calling myself. So you knew on. all the troublemakers in Atlanta, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Right, so when you got on, it was like, "Oh, we on Here now? <laughs> we we on? Friend, can I get a discount? Right, right, right. My cousins up the street, whatever." And yeah. I'm like, "Okay, I just had my cell phone, and I'd be showing up." But then I get those calls from somebody's burner phone at the jail late night. Hey, <laughs> and I was like, "This is not for me." Not got you. For that. Got you. Got you. So, how long did you practice criminal law? Shoot, maybe a year and a half, two years. Okay. And then what was your record? Did you win any cases? I won, okay. except for the one. I mean, the one that really upset me, he took a plea that I didn't want him to take okay. um, and ended up doing 10 years. Um, but other than that, no, we were able to take care of it. I didn't lose. You're, doing, you're just, doing well, yeah. but it's just you couldn't stomach it. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. I'm a softie. I don't like all that. Got you. Got you. So you had this situation where you realized that criminal law wasn't for you. So what do we do then? Um. I started doing business law because I had a test prep company and some other stuff before I took the bar and started practicing. So I was familiar with business. My mother was a real estate agent my whole life. So and she had her own brokerage. Uh, My father 
uh, played basketball, was a coach, did some other stuff. But like my family is a family of entrepreneurs, so it wasn't a, a hard transition for me to try and work with them. Okay. Um, and the fact that I had my own business for a few years made it easy for me to understand the idea of if these people don't pay me, I can't eat. And if I, I got to go figure out marketing and all the things that we have to figure out. So just trying to help those people as they're going through the process of trying to build wealth and create a business and do the things they love. I enjoyed working with those people more yeah. than doing the other stuff. You said you had a test prep company, like te- teaching people how to prep for the bar? ACT, SAT, and PSAT. High okay. school students. Oh, high school. Yeah. Okay, dope. What's, how, how'd that company work? Like, what's that? Yeah, so when I was in high school, I didn't do well the first time I took the ACT. And I'm a competitor, uh, so I wasn't about to – I don't like losing, so I did poorly. I studied for it. I did well, ended up getting a partial scholarship to school. Okay. Um, And my homeroom teacher remembered um, because my school was really small, like 18 people from my graduating class, kind of small. Got it. So she called me, and she told me her son needed help. And so I ended up tutoring him. He got into school, got a scholarship. And then she told somebody else at the school. And so like the entire senior class at the school and then some other kids, like they just kept it. I just kept getting referrals. And so I turned it into a company. So was the company you one on one tutoring people? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, not one on one. We had a class. So they gave me a class at the school, a classroom to use. Okay. And so I ended up tutoring most of the kids. So who paid you to school? Uh -uh, The parents. So the parents. So they gave you a space and Mm -hmm. then the parents would pay you for their kids. That's dope. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. All right. So. Um, you get into business law and uh-huh. you like that a little bit more. That that's Much that better. resonates with you a little bit better. Yeah, I mean I'm I hustle. So I just get along with people who go grind in that way. Like right. I, there's nothing wrong with anybody who works anywhere, but their mindset's a little different than someone who has to get up every day, regardless of whether or not they feel like it, right. to go make some money. And so um, I communicate better with those people. They understand me better when I tell them it don't make sense. They're not going to get upset. Their feelings not hurt because they already, you know, they yeah. understand how I talk. We talk the same language. So it works out. Got it. So are you like setting up business entities and kind of like um, uh, operational agreements and stuff like that? Yeah, we do all of that. Try to, you know, I'll tell people. Number one thing is like never do a 50-50 agreement with anybody. Mm, um, things why? like that. Just try, Because you, who's going to do the tiebreaker? When y'all don't get along, because at some point, y'all not going to get along. Right. At some point, there's going to be a disagreement on how the company is supposed to move forward. And if somebody, if no one is the majority, then who's going to decide? Unless you walk through how that tie is going to be broken or what you're going to do to be able to dissolve it so that you don't have to go to court to try and file for a dissolution or figure out what to do. Good. That's 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 interesting because I think everybody usually goes into a partnership thinking it should be 50-50, right? So how how how... And from your experience, how do you determine who should be 51 and who should be 49? Like, is it rock, paper, scissors? What what are we what are we doing in order to get that? Because if I'm going into a partnership, I feel like I bring something to the table. You bring something to the table. Like, why should I take the the lesser? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you how do you make that decision? You come to a lawyer so that I can tell y'all somebody lying because somebody <laughs> is going to do more work. At, in, even if you have sibling, anybody. So I'm an only child. But people who have siblings, one sibling is the most responsible. Yeah. There's always somebody who does more in a relationship. There's always somebody who does more at a certain time period. Mm. So it might be that there's a managing member. And even if you go, people buy an operating agreement from LegalZoom or somewhere else. In the document, it'll say whoever, it might say the majority 
owner gets to choose who the managing member is or whoever the majority vote. But if y'all are 50 50, then you're at a stalemate at all times making decisions right. if both of you are doing that. So you walk through, it might be that one person is in charge of operations and one person is in charge of something else, but figuring out different things that are a part of how this company is going to operate and let somebody be the person who's in charge, let the buck stop somewhere. Mm. And so that way you can avoid conflict. You have to act like there's going to be an issue later. While y'all are getting along is the best time to make the decision about what to do when y'all don't get along because you're not thinking about that. Oh, it'll be fine. You can choose. You're not going to feel like that when y'all make a million dollars because you're going to want your money. That's right. So you, you need to make that decision when y'all don't have not a dime. That's right. That's because right. then it's y'all could be peaceful. It's cool. You can work it and out and get it on paper. Yeah. Have you? So I'm sure you've seen situations where people have been 50-50 and they've had to dissolve their companies right? or have these type of uh, turbulence in their relationship. Like, do you have like a story that like not naming any names, obviously, yeah. of like something that really took to make this hit home for people? Yesterday. My friend sent her cousin called me. He has a trucking company. They've been in business for three years. They were 50-50. They got an SBA loan. Of course, the SBA requires guarantor. The partner decides he don't want to be on the SBA loan. You have more than 20% of the company. You have to be on the SBA loan. You can't rescind it. The SBA is not going to take it back. They already gave the money. So he said, okay, well, I want half the money. He took the money out the account, and he's somewhere in the United States with the truck. The guy doesn't know where he is. He told him to bring it back. He's trying to figure out, should I tell dispatch to tell him that they have a load or something to pick up so that we So he's trying to figure out how to get the vehicle back and how to get the money back from this guy because mm. the guy just took it. He can tell the SBA, but he also might get in trouble because he's the other guarantor on it. Their operating agreement says they're 50-50. So the only way to get this guy to either do the right thing or figure something out is to go to court. He's not going to be able to make him bring the truck back. Um, he might be able to say that it's stolen, but if the police pull him over, who knows what he'll say to them? Oh, I'm the other owner of the company. Here's the paperwork I'm listed on here right. as having the vehicle. So, and the cops would probably say, oh, this is a civil matter. It's not criminal. Then he didn't really steal it. Who knows? But he's trying to figure out what to do because he doesn't want to have to dissolve the company. They have contracts. They're making money. But he has somebody who is completely uncooperative and now doesn't want to be a part of the SBA thing, doesn't want to follow instructions, doesn't want to sit down and talk to him. He's been calling, texting, everything. And so now he's going to have to come up with money to try and sue this guy wherever he might be. Mm, got you. So if if he were to have done something differently, if he were to have 51%, how would that have changed that situation? Well, I don't think, I think that there, you have to have some sort of separation, right? There might be the Entity that owns the vehicles. Mm -hmm. And then one of the owners is also operating as a driver. Okay. I would have an agreement with that person as an individual, separate than a member. So if they're an employee or if they're a contractor or whatever you have them designated as, in his capacity as a driver, he is not operating as an owner. He's an employee. So that if he doesn't bring that vehicle back, then I have something in that agreement that says, if you do this, if you do this, these are my remedies, separate from you having some sort of equity in the company. Mm, got you. Got you. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, cool. So <clears throat> we covered that. The business law, how did we move into estate planning? So, or was there anything else before estate planning? I mean, <clears throat> I think making sure you have an entity to separate it. Um, I wouldn't, trucking, being on the road, period. 
um, is can be a dangerous business, can For be sure. um, high liability. Uh, people have a hard time if there's an accident finding people to defend them because lawyer, we're in a country where people like to sue. So they're trying to sue the insurance company. They're trying to sue the truck driver. They're trying to sue the truck company, all of those things. And sometimes it can be hard to do. So you need to have a company to separate yourself from the business. Right. Um, and so, I mean, I would pick the right state to file it so that ownership is anonymous. Um, like Wyoming, you can do the same in Delaware and Nevada, but Wyoming is probably the least expensive. Set up an anonymous LLC so that it makes it much harder for someone to figure out who the owner of the company is to to give you some space. Buy also, you some time? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, because in Wyoming, it's anonymous um, and you have to show cause. They have to be able to show cause of who to try and figure out who the owner is. So they got to go through a lot of steps. It gives you some space. Okay. Um, and then I would have the right insurance. Um, one of my good friends, or she's become my good friend now, Marcy Cron is with Seller, Sutter McClellan and Gilbreth. They do all of my insurance, but she does the bulk of her business is trucking across the United States. And she's the best broker I've ever seen. She will fly wherever and help them um, with tickets, with whatever, to show people that, you know, they did have coverage. But you need to get enough coverage because if you have a good insurance company, they will defend you. They're supposed to provide you with a lawyer. Now, sometimes they want to settle and you might not agree. So you got to have a backup just in case you don't want those issues. But find someone who will advocate for you. And I've seen Marcy go to court with her truck drivers and the truck company. Um, So you need to, you know, people want to start a business, but you really don't have a business until you have a CPA, until you have a lawyer, until you have all those people that you can call if something's going on. You can't do all of it by yourself. That's right. And so, and looking up stuff on Google is great, but Google is not equivalent to a law degree or a CPA license or any of those things. So you can have some information. You go meet with them to try and verify what you think you know, but you still need some people in your corner. Um, So setting it up properly is number one. Um, And then two, I think if you're a truck company owner, like not just a driver, you have to have some sort of asset protection set up so that chances of somebody getting in an accident during the duration of your career as an owner, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, it's when. It's when it happens. And I've seen people not respond to things properly or not hire a lawyer or not think about the fact that they're a personal guarantor. And so that house that you have with your family in it, you could get a lien on it. And then if you sell it, you got to pay this money back for a truck or for whatever because you didn't plan for all the possible things that could happen. Right. So people have to think about all of the things, not just, oh, let me go make this money. But what happens if I get in an accident? What happens if I if I, if I, I get in an accident and I'm disabled? And so mm. then my family can't, who's going to pay the bills? How are we going to set those things up so that those, and there's insurance for that. There's all sorts of things that are there for that. So while you have all this cash flow coming in, you're going to have to use it the right way. Right. <clears throat> I think, you know, as a business owner myself and, you know, just knowing a lot of entrepreneurs and people wanting to become business owners, I think that, like you said, you, you need a CPA, you need a, a attorney. This is like like your circle of trust, mm-hmm. right? That's gonna help you when you when you have issues. But I think a lot of times people are afraid of the expense that's attached with that. And if you're just getting into business, there's obviously expense that comes with that. So what you recommended that you have that circle, but I mean, how do you how would you advise somebody to kind of go about 
setting that up in terms of like, you know, have a retainer for a lawyer for this amount that could kind of get you help in this particular, you know, way? Like, what would you advise somebody to do to set that up the most inexpensive way to get started? Mm-hmm. And obviously, as you grow, you know, and, and, and there's more issues that may grow as well. Right. But how would you say, like, kind of set that set that up for if yourself? You're starting out and you don't have a lot of bread. I would say, I mean, if you go, people go to LegalZoom and they do things all the time. Lawyers don't like reviewing other people's documents. (laughs) Right. But just pay somebody to do it. Like, I mean, we have a consultation. It's an hour, $250. Somebody might send me something and say, hey, can you tell me? And I will tell them what the issues are. If they want me to redraft it, I'll give them a flat fee to do that or something like that. We don't really charge by the hour um, just because I don't want people to think that, Oh, if I call my lawyer, I'm going to get a bill for $90 for 15 minutes. That doesn't encourage people to communicate with you when they have a problem. (laughs) So if they get on the phone, they say what the issue is, we give them a flat fee, and then that's it. If they call, we're not billing for that. We're not doing all those things because it's just, it's not. Is that traditionally how lawyers still work? No. I mean, there are some who do it. I mean, there's a lot more people who are starting to do that. Okay. Because, I mean, if, if, if it's litigation if you're in court then that's different because you don't know how long it's going to take right but even when i go to court i don't pay attention to phone calls that much i I probably am not making as much money as some of those other people because i'm not billing for it because if there's something wrong you should be able to call without getting a bill all the time right um but we just do flat fees unless we're going to court just so that people don't have to worry about that and i don't want to keep up with it honestly (laughs) (laughs) i'm not billing every 16 minutes or whatever the thing is it's just it's just time consuming got you got you so if somebody has an issue they call get a flat fee and they could kind of based on the circumstance they get get taken care of right Mm -hmm. okay cool um you said uh in addition to state planning you said asset protection what does asset protection mean because that is a really Nice way to say something else. Right. Get into that. So even though lawyers online and everywhere will say, you know, we'll create a foolproof plan to make sure no one can ever sue you. If you do some, if you commit fraud, if you do something wrong, anything that a lawyer does can be undone if you're trying to be fraudulent. So if you're Mm. creating it and you're already in the middle of a lawsuit and you're creating a trust for the purpose of hiding your assets so that you don't have to pay, it can be undone. You can't commit fraud in doing it. So if you set it up early enough before something happens, best example and worst example is OJ. So before all that happened, he had a trust set up. So I can't even remember. I looked at it a long time ago, but he had a trust set up. His pension from the NFL, they can't take. I think he probably gets like $25,000 a month. He could play with that, but he doesn't own anything. So he doesn't own the house he stays in. He doesn't own any of that stuff. So when they keep trying to enforce that seventy originally 76 or something million dollars that the families got against him, they can't because he doesn't make any income. Right. That's why when he was going to write that book, they didn't publish that book because all of that income that he would have made, those millions of dollars, were gonna, was going to go to that judgment. Mm. So until he, they have sued multiple times to try to break that trust up, but he did it so far in advance and they can't say he did that contemplating that he was going to do that because it was f- before he married her. Wow. So they can't touch any of the money that's in there that he can, that the benefit, the trustee can pay for whatever he needs, pay for the mortgage of the house, pay for whatever. So if you set up the plan in advance of something happening, trust law is so old that they're, they're not going to pierce the trust to pay your creditor. 
because mm. you don't own it. The trust owns it. You're the beneficiary. You can't pledge. You can't borrow against it because it's not yours. But you just have to know how you want it set up. But there are different kinds of trust depending on the state where you can still have some sort of say so. You can change the beneficiaries or the trustees. So you just have to sit down with someone. But if you're in a high risk industry, doctors, athletes, trucking companies, truck drive, whatever, and there are things that you want to protect to make sure that it can be passed down to your family. If you if you're going to get sued, if you do it in advance, then at the time that they go look for assets, even if you lose, when they go to look for assets, you won't have any. It'll be like you're in you're in poverty. And so then they can't attach it. That's crazy. So OJ on record has nothing. Mm -hmm. The trust has everything. They can't they have not collected a dime. I I think they might have. He might have made some money somewhere at some point, but they've sued multiple times to try to get the money out the trust and they've never been able to do it. Got it. Can you get into some of the different types of trusts that there are out there? Yeah, because it's along with generational wealth, it's a lot of people online telling people to get trust and they call me all the time. Now, the problem is most people don't have there's revocable and irrevocable revocable. You can change it. Okay. So most people get a revocable trust for estate planning purposes. So I want to leave this to my children. I don't want them to have to go to probate court because it does not belong to you. It doesn't have to go to probate court. None of the assets go through probate. Anything in your name when you die, your bank account, um, your house, anything that doesn't have a beneficiary listed. So your life insurance doesn't have to go through probate because normally in a life insurance policy, you list someone as the beneficiary. So the check goes directly to them. Right. But when it goes to them, you can't tell them what to do with it. They can go buy whatever they want, do whatever they want. You just hope that they'll do what you want them to do. Right. Um. You can't leave any of those things to minor children. So if you have children who are under 18, you need a trust set up because there's bills the kids have and they can't take it until they're 18 anyway. So when they go to probate court, the probate court would set up a trust for them and have somebody hold that money until they're old enough to receive it. Okay. Um, So it gives you some sort of say so on what happens with what. So the revocable trust, you can change it over your lifetime if one of them kids is bad with money and you want to change the terms of how they can use whatever, then you can go back and amend it and do all of that. When it's irrevocable, depending on the type of irrevocable trust, and there's a bunch of, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of those, um, you, you can't change it. That, because, so like the one, the OJ example, he can't go back and change who the beneficiaries are at this point, probably. Mm. De- I mean, I haven't seen his document, depends on how he did it, but the point is he doesn't own it, so he can't change it. If you can move it around, do all those things with it, then it kind of takes away that protection. It's still a part of you. So they're like, well, it's not, it doesn't belong to the trust. It still belongs to you if you can manipulate it that way. Right. And so that's why they don't, or irrevocable trust is what's going to protect your assets from a creditor. Okay. Now the rules and how you can deal with it vary from state to state, but most of the time you're going to pay for a third party to be the trustee. Because it has to be it has to be administered by someone else besides you to make it separate from you. Got it. So why why would you make it irrevocable? Because I would think that, you know, you you, things happen in life. Right. You want to be able to have that option to change things if things the the circumstances change. Mm -hmm. So what are the benefits to making it an irrevocable trust to why somebody would choose that as opposed to revocable? Um, depending on the state, there might be tax benefits. Um, you can have what they call a self-settled 
asset protection trust, which means it's for your benefit during your life. You can um, and you can change you can change the trustee. So like if you don't, there's certain things you can change. You can't change. And I don't want to get into like to make it too complicated, but you can change some of the beneficiaries. So like if you had more kids, you'd be able to add more. There's certain things that the statute will allow you to change in the trust. Okay. And but still keep its irrevocable status. Um, there are certain as you can't just move assets in and out. The trustee could do them a- according to the terms that you put in there originally. So that's why I mean, if you try to call a lawyer and tell them the prices can range from five thousand to fifty thousand or to whatever, because it depends on like you have to think through a lot of things. But once you do it, you're protected from somebody taking those things. Mm. So you just have to work with someone so that they can tell you how to do it. But you're you can be kind of co-trustee, but on paper, you're not in charge. Okay. You just were in charge and how you made it. So people will it. You can set it up a certain way to avoid having to pay estate taxes or at least minimize them to some degree. So, for example, Prince Prince's estate, I think, paid one hundred and twenty million in taxes to the IRS because they didn't have any plan at all. So there's a way to do it when there are wealthy people who have these trusts and they're giving away things during their life. A lot of them are giving it away to their family. All they're doing is reducing their taxable estate so that when they die, the IRS doesn't get it. They don't want to pay the IRS anything. So there's charitable remainder trust where you can get write-offs during your lifetime, spend it down to a certain degree, and then at the end of the term of the trust, it goes to a nonprofit of your choosing or something like that. But you got the tax benefit and got to use the money during that time period and still take the benefit. There's a ton of different ways to do it to try and minimize it, but you know that's really how the wealthy use it is to make sure that they don't, they're not trying to, to pay those taxes at the end or at least to be able to distribute to their family during their lifetime in some way that they want to, so that they can continue to have that wealth multiply instead of giving it to the government. Wow. Got it. Okay. So you said OJ, so OJ would be a a, a particular case where he, I mean, he kind of did it right. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He did it right. (laughs) You know, you know, it's a messed up situation, right? But he set things up right based on what happened afterwards, right? For his circumstances. So what would be a, uh, an example of somebody who did it wrong and maybe tried to go back when it was too late or something like that and wasn't able to make it happen? Or do we have those kind of examples? Um, hmm. I mean, so an example, every state has different rules depending on where you create it. So I guess... It's not a bad example, but an example of you still having to fix it. When Kobe passed, he had a trust, but he they didn't amend it before the youngest child was born. So his wife had to go back and petition the court for the child to be included. Normally, I'll put language in there for afterborn children. So any direct descendant is going to be able to split the same way the children do. But they didn't have that. So I think she had to file something with the court and say that it was his intention for all of his children to be included so that the youngest child who had just been born at the time that he died was included. Mm. So the lawyer just didn't put any language in there for afterborn children that would have included her in it. And so they had to go back and petition. Um, but most of them you wouldn't see because a trust is not public record. So you, so a will, when you have to go to probate court, you take the will there to say, Excuse me, judge, this is the will this person had, and they have to say that this is valid. There are certain requirements in Georgia. You have to have a self-proving affidavit and two witnesses and things be notarized. So they have to say the will is valid and it meets all these, whatever the requirements are for that state. Then the executor is appointed. 
then they got to notify all your creditors because the point to probate court is to preserve your assets for the benefit of your creditors, not your family. Mm. They pay them first. So the probate cases that I have, they're, I'm getting, I get caught. I'm talking about these people would act like it was my bill. American <laughs> Express calls me every day. Right. Or Barclays or whomever because they want their money before we settle the estate. We have to pay them first before his kids or anybody gets anything. They have to be paid. Right. And so it's to pay that, to pay the IRS, to pay whomever has to be paid first when you die. And then after that, your family gets whatever's left. Gotcha. Um, so that's how you can see um, what happens before a trust because you don't own anything. There's nothing that goes through probate. There's no one who gets to see it. No one knows. So the bad stories, you wouldn't really know if it was in the, unless it was in the news because it's not public record for you to find out. And it doesn't have to be registered anywhere. So so if I don't have a lot of money, right, mm-hmm. I don't I don't own a lot of property. You know, typically when you think trust and protecting assets, you got to have something to protect. Right. Some people may look at this and say, you know, you're talking about Kobe. We're talking about OJ. These are people who have tons of money. Is there a threshold when you should start thinking of like setting up a trust or is this for anybody? Is this for any any uh, person of any type of uh, income level? It depends on what your goals are. Um, if you want to keep your family out of court, then it doesn't matter because everybody who has a will, their descendants are going to have to go to court. Um, so one, it depends on the goal, not necessarily the assets, but the example that I would give would be my family. So my grandmother had a house in Boston. My grandmother, my grandfather lived there. My step-grandfather lived there, and my uncle stayed upstairs. Okay. My grandmother got had dementia, and she took care of everything. Now, I don't know why my grandfathers, either one of them, didn't do that along with my grandmother, but she had a health care directive, power of attorney. She had long-term care insurance. She had all this stuff. So we kept all of our old people in the house. Then my uncle moved back from here to Boston to take care of them when my grandmother was getting sick. Nurse took care of everybody in the house, and then everybody died. Like, within five years, everybody on my mom's side of the family passed away except me, my mother, and my cousin. So when my grandmother, when my step-grandfather died, people started acting crazy, putting posts, doing all kind of stuff in the house. Right. Taking money out the bank account that was supposed to go to my grandmother, all sorts of stuff. We didn't really argue about it. Grandpa died, then grandma. So then the house went to my mother and my uncle. That's the only asset that they had. Like my grandmother owned the house free and clear, went to my mother and my uncle. My uncle was the plant guy at John Hancock building in Massachusetts. He didn't have many assets. He had that house that he owned 50% with my mother, an Austin Healy car that my cousin has and some records that I have. So he didn't think it was a big deal and he procrastinated. He didn't touch it. And then one day he didn't wake up in the house. Mm. My mother was in court four years before they would give her permission to get the house, to sell it, to do anything. So she had to fly back and forth, do all of those things. My uncle thought, all I have is this house. It's not a big deal. Right. So my mother had to pay all that money, do all of those things, and then mourn the fact that everybody in her family died except her child and her nephew. Um, but when she finally was able to sell that house, she can retire. My mother paid for my tuition in college in cash. I don't know if she sold drugs on the low. <laughs> I don't know how she did any of that. But that tuition was paid every semester. So right. she didn't have any retirement. That's why I had to pay for law school. I had loans for that. She paid for college. 
So she didn't have any money to retire. She probably would have still been working. Then she was paying for that house, take help and take care of stuff for my grandmother. If my grandmother didn't leave that house to my mother, she would still be working. So what you think is just a little something could be a big deal to someone else in your family or to your kids or to whatever. So I don't think people should minimize that. There are two ways that people of color generally have accumulated wealth in the United States, and that is through having a business and having property. Yeah. So just because you don't have millions and millions of dollars, that historically is what we've always been able to or tried to have. I mean, all of these people doing buying distressed properties, a lot of them are estate properties that people didn't know were left to them or that they could have received. And it will either go to the state if people don't claim it. The State Department of Unclaimed Property, every state has one. If you run your name through that search, you might find money that's there for you. I actually did. And I found a couple of dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> real, real talk. People don't go. look, And yeah. so it's like if you don't do that, if you don't create a plan, the state has a plan and they're going to get their money. <laughs> the state got a plan. They got one. Yeah. So it does doesn't matter. You might think it's not a big deal, but it's a big deal to somebody. And if you don't say what you want, there are two things. People act crazy about when someone gets divorced and when someone dies. It don't matter how much you think they're going to get along. You have no idea how crazy people act for $5 (laughs) or for $5 million. Right, right, Because they don't know if they don't know what you have. Then they're like, oh, well, let me get mine. And then they're arguing in probate court for no reason. And that's not something you necessarily want. So you have to tell people what you want. You got to, it don't matter if it's your car, they will argue. You have no idea. People will just make up stuff. So it's better to just have it on paper. People are better about at least following what you want if you, if you said what you wanted. True. Okay. Last, last scenario. Mm -hmm. Cause I got a friend that's actually like this. No kids. Mm -hmm. Right. Mother is aging, father's dead, mother, you know, is up there in age, right? Does he need to trust? Like he has he nobody doesn't. to put, put pass it on to. He has basically when he's gone, he doesn't have any family, no brothers, no sisters, no siblings, no wife. Like he's basically here by himself. What does he do? He's a uh, accountant. Okay. So he works for a reason. I mean, it might be for himself, but there's somebody he loves. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It might be you might be the godparent of someone. Right. I don't have any kids. Now, I have a trust and my little niece Pooh, I will not give her nothing outright to save her life because she will blow it. <laughs> so she would get a certain amount at certain times to help her during her lifetime. Got it. I can change it that if I decide to have children or do whatever else, then they might get it first. She might still get something, but there's somebody you care about or a cause you care about or a school that you could create a scholarship for some accountant children or something. But who wants to give it to Uncle Sam (laughs) or who wants to give it to the state? The state of Georgia is not getting nothing from me that for free. Facts. No. So Facts. like you still have to it doesn't matter if you don't have anybody. You can't think if you sit down and think about who do I care about? You'll find whose somebody. life would I want to make better if I wasn't here? Or what you'll find somebody. It's yeah. not just chill. You can help a ton of people. In various ways. That's facts. And you can kind of customize the trust to write it up any way you want to. There's no real I mean, I'm sure there's guidelines, but no, you can't do nothing can, illegal. Right, right, right. But you could <laughs> Whatever you could imagine, you could pretty much make it that way, right? For the most part. And I think the difficulty is people come in the office, well, tell me what I should do. 
the I can I can create draft it however to do what you want, but you have to kind of know what you want. I don't want my family to have to go to court. I don't want my niece to have to worry about college. I don't want I want my the business to continue operating and to create residual income for my children. I want this to happen. Things like that. Just give high level things. And then whatever attorney you work with can work out the details. They'll go through and ask you questions because it's not like most people sit there and think about it. They don't know. I deal with it every day. Um, So I know what to ask. I know what to try to avoid. And I'm going to ask the questions to try and bring all of those things out. But you have to know what your biggest goal is. If it's to, you know, create a family business so that it continues to operate, then it might be that you need to do some succession planning for the business. Who's going to operate it after you're gone? Because it might not be your family. The other thing about having business partners, if one of your partners dies, do you want to be in business with their spouse who doesn't know how to run the business? If you don't plan that, then you might be stuck. Or if you don't have insurance that could buy out that interest um, so that you can own 100% of the company, if that person dies, then you stuck with somebody's relatives who don't know how to manage anything. And, <laughs> and you think they know everything, yeah, right? Yeah, trying to tell you what to do with your business. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, you'll be crazy. mad. Mad as hell. <laughs> That's crazy. So so how much does a trust uh, cost to set up, like, I guess, like you know, start. What, what, what are you looking at in terms of cost to set up a, a trust? And I'm sure as you get more, the more you want, it kind of grows. But well, it just depends on the details because the assets. So we transfer the assets initially for most people. Some people want to do it themselves, but I've seen people who have drip documents drafted. They'll come in and give me a, a hundred pages, and then they, it doesn't own any assets because the lawyer left it up to them to put the house in there and do all of that. And y'all not going to do it. People not going to do it. So we do it for people most of the time initially, unless they are insistent upon doing it themselves. Um, But it probably, it's probably 3000 to, it can be, like I said, 50. It depends on the purpose of the trust, how complicated it is. Some of the charitable trusts or um, the trusts that are irrevocable and the purpose of it is to protect your assets and do certain things because you got to file it out of state and you have to do, you have to find the trustees. You have to do a lot more. It just depends. It depends on what the purpose of it is. But on average, most people don't need that level of complexity unless they have Unless they have issues with if they're in a high risk profession or they're trying to do specific things, then you create an asset protection trust for the purpose of protecting the assets. And then you might have a revocable trust that that trust pays into. And that one is the one that you do for estate planning. So you can have two separate ones with different purposes. So the estate planning portion, how does that uh, relate to the asset protection and the trust? Like, where is that? Like, where's the intersection of that? Like, how does that, what's the difference between the two? Kind of, like, so, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean, that the purpose of the asset protection trust is for you to be able to still use, utilize, have the benefit of your assets um, while you're living and protect them from people who would wish you harm. The purpose to a revocable living trust is to protect your family if something happens to you. Now, if you are incapacitated in any way, both of the, the trust will kick in to take care of you during your lifetime. But the main goal to a revocable living trust is just to make sure your family doesn't have to worry about 
go into court that nobody knows your business, that John John is going to inherit your million dollar trucking company. And then all of a sudden he got a new girlfriend. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so it's right. to make sure that all that stuff is private. Um, so it just, the goals are different. And so be, you have to be a little more aggressive with the asset protection stuff. You got to file certain things, make sure things are anonymous, do all of that, show you how to, I got to show you how to operate it or to work with the trustee because it wouldn't be like my firm. It would be someone else in that particular state. So like if we filed it in Wyoming, we have to have a trustee that's there. Um, same thing for the Nevada ones or for a Delaware trust. So it's just, it takes a lot more to set it up in order for you to get that protection um, for those assets. But the the revocable living trust is much easier to do. That's the one that's around the three, 3,000. Okay, that's 3,000. Yeah, it just depends on the purpose of it. Okay, so getting back into estate planning, right? Why, why do you feel that um, we are so slow to set up wills, set up, and, 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 and just to put context around it, what is estate, estate planning? Because you, you hear about a will, mm-hmm. right? Is there anything else that is a part of the whole you know, estate. umbrella of estate planning? Yeah, it's, that's just a general term. So estate planning includes a will, it's to trust, a healthcare directive. So there's, if anybody Googles Terry Shivo, I don't know how to spell that lady's name, okay. but it was like the 90s, I think, that she was like 20-something years old. She had an accident. She was married. Whatever happened in the hospital, there was some malpractice and she ended up in a vegetative state. The doctor said she's never going to wake up. Her husband said, let's pull the plug. Her parents said no and sued him because she didn't have a health care directive to say he's my health care agent. Let him decide. Even though he was the default, the parents could object to it. They wanted to pray and wait. It took eight years for him to be able to pull the plug. Now, think about the medical bills that this man is probably responsible for that I probably would have sued those parents and got my money. <laughs> right. But he, because she didn't outline what she wanted, pull the plug. Don't let me stay like this. Don't whatever. She never woke up and they were arguing about it. So if you're in the hospital, I know I don't have my mother as my agent because I know she's going to keep me alive. And I, you got a short time period. Let me go. So like I have someone else who does that. I have it's specific, but by default, it would probably be my mother. Mm. I wouldn't want her to do it. My mother or my father, I wouldn't want them to decide for, for me. I already know what I want. So you need to tell people what you want with respect to health care. If you're directive. driving, you could be in an accident at any time. You better have a health care directive so that the doctors know who to ask what to do with your person if you can't speak for yourself. Mm. Same, a power of attorney. If you got bills that have to be paid, nobody can get in your bank account. As soon as you die, your bank account is shut off unless you have a beneficiary, a payable on death on your personal bank account. So then if there are bills that your family needs to pay or things that need to be done, no one's going to be able to do it if you're in the hospital or incapacitated in any way unless you have a power of attorney that allows them to do it. So even just for you, those things, everybody needs to have power of attorney, health care directive. They need to at minimum have a will. Like I have one. I don't like them because I just don't like people having to go to court. And I see people act nuts all the time when you have to go through probate court. And it can take forever. I mean, I have some right now. The mother was selling the property with her son. She had two kids. She did not have a will. There's The houses are going to go into foreclosure because the two kids are fighting. They don't about who's going to be in charge. Mm. Um, and so we have to try and get a third party to be an administrator because they can't get along. So 
when court is involved, it'll delay it. I mean, the property is supposed to close next week. They're not going to be able to close or do anything because they have to have to go through the court process. So anything that would avoid court. But if you can't do anything else, then a will is fine. Are, are there any particular things that you should think of when you're putting your will together like that you should make sure you're including? Um, that's like the most important points you should kind of hit or is it just kind of like, um, you know, like how, when, when you go into that, like is like, like what are the the the, the I guess like the uh, the pillars of like what a will mm-hmm. should kind of look like? I think one, they should get a consultation with someone um, to determine because you really have to look at the assets. Because you might have assets that aren't going to go through probate. So I've had plenty of people who fill out a form, who think that they want a big trust. And then I look at what they have and say, you don't have to do it. All you have to do is update your life insurance to say who you want it to go to. Go to the bank today and fill out the form to say who the money goes to. Do this, 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 and this. And then you're fine. Nothing has to go through probate. You just tell everybody what you want them to do with it or who you want to. You write out who you want to have it and then that's it. So they might not even have to. But if you have minor kids, you're going to have to because they won't be able to get anything. And I just don't advise people to say, oh, I'm just going to list my the mother of my kids or the father of my kids as the beneficiary or my brother or whomever, because then it belongs to them. And you just got to hope and pray or or come back and haunt them if they spend the money. Right. Um, so I would have somebody look at it to see what assets would have to go to court. Um but at minimum, I guess, get a wheel. Got you. There's tons of uh, celebrities, people with money that don't have this protection. Who, who's dropping the ball? Is it is it them? Because I'm sure these people have like an attorney. I'm sure they have accounts. Like they have these these circles around them. Usually, at least you'd hope so. They have the money to, right? Like who who's dropping the ball in that case? And 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 why do you think that that happens? It's so so often. It's, it's like we hear it so often. Every single time somebody passes, it's like, oh, they didn't have a will. Oh, they do. like what? What do you think is going on and how do we change that? It's crazy to me because they have so many attorneys. Guarantee takeoff had an entertainment attorney, uh, this kind of attorney, all of that. And no one suggested it. Now, it is the most boring class in law school. So maybe they just didn't think about it <laughs> and they wanted to forget it. It's horrible. Right. But um, if you're if you're in certain industries, I, I would think it was an it's a no brainer. You're going to get residuals for the rest of your life. And if you had kids, it's going to be for the rest of theirs because that music is going to be played over and over. And you have to set up a trust if you're in certain industries. It doesn't make any sense for a musician not to have one at all or someone who's in in the entertainment business, period, because they keep they get mail money. Right. And so the court is going to have to parse through who's supposed to get this. How do we do this? Um. It just doesn't make any sense to me why they don't do it. Uh, I know Aretha Franklin, Prince, Takeoff. I mean, lately I feel like every single celebrity who's died in the past few years has just not had anything. But that's because we think we're going to live forever. That's right. And we don't think, we just don't want to think about it. We think that if we think about death, it's going to make us die. Or it just is uncomfortable to think about. Or they just say, screw it. I ain't going to be here anyway. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) That's crazy. You're just crazy. Like people don't, I think that this is what they miss, right? I I think about death every day. 
And so it makes every single moment that I'm with my family or that I'm doing something that much more important to me because I know I could die tomorrow. I have people, I have clients who I have done estate plans for and their children call me, mom died yesterday. Wow. Can I, can I come to the office so that you can tell me what I need to do with this? Sure. It's not promised. Right. I could drive in this raggedy Atlanta traffic and hit somebody on Spaghetti Junction, like at any point. And so I think that if you think about death, it makes you less afraid of it, and it makes you appreciate what you have more. That's right. And so if people do that rather than just be so worried, oh, I don't want to think about dying. I mean, we know that's happening. Just like you know you got to pay them taxes. Yeah. You yeah. can't avoid it. And avoiding it, it's not about you. It's about your family, really. If you love somebody, then you'll think about it. For if sure. you realize it's not about you, it's not beneficial to you at all. For the most part, estate planning is not. Because you won't be here. That's right. But it's the memory that you want them to have. Damn, I had to go to court <laughs> because dad didn't do anything. Like, that's not the memory you want to leave. Right. When when death does happen, um, what is the default chain of command? Like, if something's happens to you, does it do you look to your mother first, your kids first, your wife first? How does that how does that go? How does the money flow? So in Georgia, I mean, most states probably have the same. It's called intestacy, that you died without a will. Yep. Um, and so they have a hierarchy of how it goes. So normally they'll look to see if you're married, um, if you have children, um, if you're in Georgia, half of what you have goes to your spouse and half goes to your children. Um, if you have no children, if you have no spouse, they're going to see if you have parents. If you don't have parents, they're going to go to your siblings. If you don't have siblings, I think they'll go to like whoever the next in the line of your relative. lineage. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, because you hear sometimes where like, like, let's say, like you said, you go to your wife first, right? But then you hear like the parents contest something on that. Like, how, how does that happen in, in some cases? They can't. Most of the time, some of these people can't contest the thing. Like they just contest them they for, just the, contest, sake of, got for it. the sake of contesting. It's going to go in that order. In that order. Got you. Um, whatever the statute says for that particular state. Um, like, for example, I think I just read that for takeoff, both of his parents want to be in charge. The mother does not want the father to be in charge because they didn't have a relationship. She probably has no say so because the parents are going to split it 50 50. It's very likely. I don't see, I mean, unless there's some loophole or something in the, the statute that allows for it, just because he wasn't a part of the life, that's his parent. Um, he's going to get it. Right. So, and so they got to figure out how to get along. Um, so there's no, I mean, people just will contest whatever they can. There's certain things that they can't, but for how the, how it's going to be distributed, the court's just going to decide. Yeah. And then they're stuck with it. Got it. Got it. How do people reach out to you and connect with you, have a call with you? What's the best way to l learn more about this stuff? Is there any information out there that you can provide where people could read up on it before they contact you? Kind of talk about that. Yes. So, um, we have a website or a landing page specific to the trucking industry, which is the saundersfirm.com forward slash truckers trust um, for asset protection and 
estate planning for that industry. And if you go through the page at the bottom, you'll be able to schedule an appointment. It's an hour long. Um, it's $250 for you to ask whatever questions you need or go through whatever. Um, if you need to go over operating agreement, that's 50-50. <laughs> and I need me to tell you how to get out of it or what we need to do, then we'll review that and give you advice and do whatever we need to do through that um, consultation for the hour. Because generally our free consultation is like 15 minutes, but most people have a few more problems than that. And so we'll give that option for an hour. Um, then we have, um, you can go to my regular website, which is the Saunders Firm. Um, and then there are links for appointments there. Our number is 678-680-4336. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all of those things. I'd say, I mean, you can look up, we have a 24 hour webinar that, that there's a link on the website for people to be able to use just to get some general information about estate planning. But I'd say just call and ask. I mean, just make an appointment and get the information. At the end of the day, if, when people don't want to pay for a lawyer or don't want to pay for an accountant, you're going to pay at the front end or you're going to pay at the back end when you mess up. <laughs> One or the other. So like you may as well just pay that little $250 to ask all the questions you need to. And at least you know where to go look to try and figure it out, the rest of it out if you want. But like it's worth the time to just do that so that you don't have to at the end of the day pay way more or your family is stuck paying way more because you didn't do the initial upfront work a little bit. Yeah, 100%. All right, so traditionally tradi- traditionally on this show, mm-hmm. we always have a final thought, right? So we're going to I'm going to ask you for your final thought, which is something like entrepreneurial, it could be spiritual, it could be whatever wherever you want to whatever you want to leave the audience with and then just let everybody know you kind of just plug the website, so that's cool, but also let people know where they can find you on social media, LinkedIn or whatever and just kind of leave them with that. So let's start with where you can be found, and then the we'll end with the final thought, and then we'll get out of here. Okay. On Instagram, it is at Wealth Planning ESQ, Wealth Planning Esquire. On Facebook, it's the Saunders Firm. On LinkedIn, it's Amber Saunders or the Saunders Firm. If you Google the Saunders Firm or Amber C. Saunders, it'll be there. Um, we're on Instagram a lot, so if you need to send messages or ask questions, that information will be there. And then go to that website I gave you, the saundersfirm.com forward slash truckers assets to try and get your one hour consultation so that we can try and get you together and you can figure out what you need to do. And if we can't help you, like we'll find some help you find someone who can help you, because I think it's really important for people to estate planning is kind of my thing. I like it because it it just helps. I mean, I know what it did for my mother and for my family. I've seen the good and the bad. So I'm going to help you figure out how to do it. No doubt. No doubt. And then final thought. What you going to leave, leave us with a jewel? So I was listening to a, a audio book and this quote was given and it I had to write it on the wall. Um, it's by Ralph Waldo Emerson and it is God will not make his work made manifest by cowards. Mm. So being afraid of estate planning or being afraid to build that business or whatever, like God's not going to make that work manifest through you being afraid like push through anyway do it anyway don't be a coward we all have fear but a coward will let that fear paralyze them nobody says not to be afraid but don't let that stop you so don't be a coward that's right and we all gonna die anyway so we might as well might as well live it up but before you do make sure you go see amber (laughs) listen hustle fam if you can't respect that your whole perspective is whack this has been an amazing show i learned a lot amber thank you so much for inviting me to your beautiful space um make sure y'all connect with her 
Um, if you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Myself, Amber, and the Saunders firm, we are out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.